millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, my name is Justin Hamilton and welcome to Big Squid. In our show today, I'll be joined by comedian and co-host of the Oink Time podcast, one of my favourite people, Ben Elwood. And together, we'll be recapping the second episode of the new HBO series, Watchmen. At the end of the chat, I'll give you some links to extra reading material, which helps flesh out this incredibly detailed world that makes this such a rich viewing experience. As I said last week, beware, for there are spoilers, ahoy! So if you haven't watched the episode yet... Get to it, and we'll be right here waiting to chat with you. Also, I'd like to take this opportunity to say hello to the listeners we have all over the world, including the United States and United Kingdom, Germany, Canada, China, France, Sweden, Finland, New Zealand, and Brazil. Uh, If you're in one of those countries and you have the time, please drop by our Facebook page, Big Squid with Justin Hamilton, or you can go to my website, justinhamilton.com. And uh, please feel free to leave a message and say hello. It's really very exciting to have your company and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me uh, with uh, some of my lovely friends talking about this show. Okay, let's get stuck into the latest episode. We go all over the place with this one and uh, I promise I'll do my best to refrain from saying how cool is Regina King every second sentence. How cool is Regina King? <laughs> really cool. Oh my god. <laughs> like She's a level so of cool that you or I will never attain, oh. even if we live to be a thousand years old. I don't, I don't even reckon I could attain it by accident. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I'd ever accidentally be that cool. Like, I, I've, I've, I've been a fan of hers for a while. She, uh, she has such a great moment in The Leftovers. Uh, she's only in, she's only in a, a tiny part of the third season of The Leftovers, yeah. but it's... Uh, it's her with uh, the actor Carrie Coon, who I fell in love with in The Leftovers. I just thought she was so amazing. And the two of them, uh, 
for anyone who's watched The Leftovers, the two of them with Regina King's character getting a Wu-Tang Clan tattoo bouncing up and down on a trampoline because that's all the world had been reduced to for them and that's the only way they can feel joy. (laughs) And then uh, I watched her in uh, If Bill Street Could Talk and she was so wonderful in that. And then I saw she was at a New York Knicks game and uh, in this is in the real world yeah. and uh, the massive center for the Philadelphia 76ers Joel Embiid uh, was running for the ball and leapt over her and nearly like kicked her in the head as he leapt over her and I've I've never I'll always be a big fan of Joel Embiid now for not killing Regina King because <laughs> <laughs> then we wouldn't have had her in this <laughs> and then she's fantastic in this very but, cool however I do you think you could pull off a fetish nun outfit, you know? Thank on, you. On a good night. I appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, what a shame that there's not really anything to unpack in this episode. Oh, sorry. Uh, I meant... God. Holy moly, right? Like, really? I just said to you, I feel like this show defies the hot take. Yes. We finished it five minutes ago and my yeah. brain is a real maelstrom. Well, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, so I watched it today because I knew you were coming over yeah. and we were going to watch it together. Yeah. So you know, preparing for this. Mm. And I I feel a bit bad for you because we're jumping straight into this podcast so you can record. But yeah. I, I was like you. I got to the end and I was just looking at the screen, just watching all of the credits. Then the credits stopped mm. and I, I just kept looking. And I was like, well, I better get to work. Yeah. it's um As you just said, you know, if you've got half a brain, it defies the hot take because it does right. seem to be pulling in many different directions yeah. in terms of your allegiances and your, yeah. um, you know, predispositions to, to, to different ideologies. And yes. it's, you know, a show that opens with a Nazi making a really good point is quite confronting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to that in the... Yeah, in, yeah. Well, let's... Uh, by the way, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I completely understood. I, I read uh, a lot of... Uh, stuff that uh, some African-American mm. uh, journalists were writing about after the first episode. Yeah. And, you know, because that's, you know, that's their world. That's not our world. And yep. so I wanted to see what their point of view was yep. and uh, really understand where they were coming from. And, uh, and, uh, and a lot of these journalists were talking about how much they loved the episode. But they, you know, just kind of fundamentally found it a little bit difficult to be siding with the police mm. and uh, in, in that first episode uh, and, and, you know, having your empathy yep. for them. Yep. And I, I I completely understood where they were coming from um, and, it's, and it's not saying that that was incorrect in any way. Mm. But I have complete faith in this whole team behind the scenes, yep. uh, this whole writing team, the production. And I just had complete faith that... It was going to get more complicated than that, and it wasn't yeah. going. To, it wasn't going to be like that. Was our jumping on point, but yeah. things weren't going to stay like that as the status quo. Yeah. And I think we started to see it today. And that's definitely, not, you know, that's not me. That's literally me just being a fan of what they did on the leftovers specifically yeah. and how information was doled out. Like I, I caught up with a friend from the states uh, this morning who yeah. said that he gave up on the leftovers around episode five of the first season because they weren't giving him enough information to really... Yeah, right. And uh, I I guess that is... Of course, that's a fair criticism. That's his criticism, so it is a fair criticism. But as I said to him, ah, man, you really should have hung in there for episode nine because it was awesome. (laughs) Anyway, I will... uh, If I could, I'd get... 
all 28 scripts of The Leftovers tattooed across my back. <laughs> <laughs> I am evangelical about that series. It, it, um, it, it really came along at a time for me where I was always a fan of Lindelof. I think uh, Lost is uh, in many ways uh, misunderstood and, uh, and I think it cops a... Uh, you know, I think I think it cops a lot of shit for its ending, and I think it's unfair because I don't know too many people that didn't like the ending who got it. Did you know, cause, like when someone says to me they were dead all along, it's like, well, did you watch it? Because they mm. weren't. That's mm. not what happened Mm-mm-mm. at all. And also, uh, you know, I, I, Damon Lindelof was the guy who I, I, I learned a real lesson from him in the early days of social media, yeah. which was don't be self-effacing on Twitter. Was he? Oh, yeah. He's really self-effacing. He's really funny. And he's he's really... I think there's a real honesty to him. I'm not pretending that I know him in any way. But I think there's a real honesty to his craft and his fears and his thoughts. And he would make jokes. Like, I remember his Twitter handle was, uh, you know, creator of Lost. And I don't know what's going on either. But it's it's a joke. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And... and what did people take that as? Oh, people abused him and, yeah, he, right. and it drove him off Twitter, and it was, uh, and he, and, and it's always discussed as one of the worst endings. And then they say they were dead all along, and it, it honestly drives me insane. And uh, you know, it maybe the flaw of the ending was it wasn't obvious for people who were fair weather fans, because all my yeah, friends right. who were super fans, yep. No, that's not how it ended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's... Uh, do, do you think there's also something to, you know, the fact that there's so much time between seasons and it gives people a chance to kind of, you know, fanfic in their own head of mm, how they yeah. would do it? Well, and that's that's why all endings are yeah. tough to land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, unless you come up with... Like, unless you come up with the last four minutes of Six Feet Under. Still the greatest ending of anything that is has ever been made, as far as I'm concerned. That... Ending poleaxed me in a way that nothing else ever has. You know, I was, I was watching it, and as soon as I realised oh, what was happening, happening, I felt my chest start <laughs> to constrict. And then, uh, you know what happened? It was when Brenda died, and she died with a, her brother nagging yeah, her, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I burst out laughing, and that went into tears. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Then I went through an early menopause. And I, re- I remember verbally on. saying, "Oh no!" As I suddenly realised what was about to unfold, <laughs> oh and I was God. about to see this thing. So but good that unlocked. I mean, not to get too off topic, but that unlocked three years of repressed grief that I had mm. not unleashed. But, but, you know, I watched both my grandparents die, and they right. were like my parents. Right. And I never cried, and then watching that finale it just it it opened me up in ways that yeah. I, no, no piece of art ever has yeah. unbelievable yeah unbelievable. And, 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 that, and that's what that's what art does yeah. it elicits a response yeah 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 and uh, so the, the the ending of once again uh, you know what I might have to do a leftovers podcast after I finish this watch <laughs> well one, you know I've never seen it so I would love to I would love to watch it mate, and, uh, and share my thoughts I've got all 28 episodes here and I've got I've got 280 thoughts for each episode <laughs> so <laughs> but uh, let's get into the recap of uh, the second episode of this. Watchmen yes martial feats of Comanche horsemanship uh, Comanche I think that's how you pronounce Comanche, it yeah, Comanche. Comanche yeah that's my little Adelaide accent coming in. Comanche, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we open during the time of World War One and watch a German officer dictate a letter to one of his secretaries. This is a piece of propaganda that has dropped over black American soldiers as they march to battle. One of the infantrymen reads the letter that asks, do you enjoy the same rights as the white people do in America? 
The soldier puts the letter in his pocket, and as he does, we realise he is the father of the little boy from the pilot episode, who will barely escape with his life during the Tulsa massacre. This is the same little boy who, in the present, appears to be the elderly man, Will, who also claims he murdered Sheriff Judd Crawford. Now, my I have uh, a lot of notes here, and I feel like maybe we should uh, just unpack that part yeah. right there. So... For people who might not know, what was the story behind the German propaganda from World War One? So I did, uh, <laughs> I did some really full-on research today, and it looks like these soldiers are the six hundred three hundred sixty-ninth Infantry Regiment, which was the first U.S. unit to arrive in France during World War One. This all-black unit was there to support the French and ended up spending more time in the trenches than any other U.S. unit, which yeah, was right. one hundred ninety-one days. Fuck! Oh, those poor kids! You know, wow. yeah, so yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Uh, German soldiers dubbed them the Harlem Hellfighters after seeing their prowess on the battlefield. Uh, Their origin was born of racial bias because France needed reinforcements, but some white soldiers refused to fight alongside their African-American counterparts. (laughs) So already you can see the hypocrisy in sending black people to fight for freedom while they have to do with segregation and inequality at home. Uh, They also had to give their rifles back to the government once they were assigned to the French. Uh, also had to give up their American-made helmets, army greens and food rations. They were given French Labelle rifles, which had a reputation for reliability but were temperamental. One of the members of this regiment, <laughs> Captain Hamilton Fish. What a great name. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm wrapped that it's Hamilton. I wonder if he was Captain Hamo. Anyway, I'd like to think he was. Uh, he he claimed he was disappointed with this exchange, and here's a little fun fact within this. One of the members of the regiment was James Reese Europe, a ragtime jazz musician, and uh, he got a whole lot of other musicians to, into the into that regiment, and they oh. helped introduce European audiences to jazz music. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, wow. So what's interesting about um, the letters, because they're real, and uh, so the letters that were dropped on the yeah, infantry—that that's verbatim, that's real. real. Yes, uh, I'm wow. gonna on on the Facebook page and at my website. Uh, I've got links to some of the real yeah, letters, right. so I'll put them up for people to check out. And uh, like most propaganda, there is a kernel of truth to them. Mm. Uh, I don't know about you, but that that opening very much reminded me of Dunkirk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it was um, it it, it is. It was very confront. I, I, I misspoke. I said Nazis. I didn't realize yeah. it was World War One. Yeah. Uh, but even still, you know, hey, the Germans weren't great in World War One. Uh, but it's very confronting opening on a you know what is ostensibly you know a mustachio twirling villain, right? Making a very salient point, right? You know, the as you said, there is a kernel of truth. I would say, I would say more than a kernel of truth in that um, piece of propaganda that was dropped. But, uh, you know, not, not completely, not the bit where they're saying, hey, no, but we treat people yeah, well, I forget about that, but, but yeah. yeah, like, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, it is, it is a, I mean, I've, I've heard stories from the war where, you know, white soldiers would not accept blood transfusions that right. were, were from blood from black soldiers, yeah. you know, just this complete class division, and it was the same in Australia as well. Right. Um, you know, Aboriginal uh, regiments and, you know, no co-mingling and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's what I think. The, the, the I, there is a lot of meat on the bone of this show, right? You know, to introduce you to this concept through the voice of ostensibly a villain, right? That's making you know, a, a, there's some truth to that. 
Well, it's, it's showing you that the world is complicated. Very complicated. It? And and in, in, and especially in this day and age where everyone is, you know, just very uh, eager to make a hot take and uh, give their opinion on what they think the thing is. Right. To bring something so kind of uh, morally sticky into the into the second episode is very brave. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there's something, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of propaganda going on mm. in this show. There's a, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think uh, Americans did the same to the Japanese and... And, you know, there's they, they, the dropping of leaflets has uh, happened. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's it's early internet bombing, isn't it? Early spam. Early spam. <laughs> uh, the um, uh, what's interesting? This is getting slightly. Uh, you know what? I'll save that bit for later. This, this is what I mean. There's so much information here that it's you know you want to dig into it. <laughs> for like those going, listening, Hamo currently has what? What is that? A good twenty have, pages of notes. <laughs> I have. Uh, a copy of it looks like War and Peace, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that's uh, you know, and it's it's interesting that it, you know that soldier finds it uh, like it lands in his hands and he reads it and then he immediately gets spat upon mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. he's still got it in his pocket when that little boy finds it exactly. And that, and that's what I mean, like that that the, there is resonance in it because yes. why would you hold on to a piece of enemy propaganda, right? You know, unless there was some kind of I don't know. Some kind of connection to the message of it. Yeah, it's not just a curio that was kept as like, "Whoa, check this out." Yeah, you know, there is some kind of resonance there. Yeah, and I'll be interested to know uh, what uh, what that means. There's, uh, there's, we'll unpack that a little and bit. And why later. it's used as the note, right? Well, it's you know, yeah, it's very deliberately scrawled on. To, you know, watch over this boy. Yes, you know, on one side and on the other side is this, you know, uh, this message. Right. Uh, so. We go straight from uh, that uh, that moment to uh, we end up at the the essentially the end of the pilot from Will's point of view as Angela comes into view and we see the note his father gave him in his hand which reads as you just said watch over this boy and it's written on the back of that piece of propaganda. Now Angela takes Will to her bakery and questions him about the murder, but not before she changes into her sister Knight persona. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? When, mm. when she comes back and. Uh, He's like, oh, you changed. And it's like, yeah, you like you changed clothes, but you also yep. hardened up. Yep. That, that, that scene where she's just yelling and getting all yeah, the absolutely. fury yeah, yeah, out yeah. of her is so primal, isn't it? Well, it's it? like the purging of the human emotion before you put on the mask. Yes, you yes. Know, I've got to get rid of my humanity before I kind of, you know, become uh, Mother Knight. Is the Sister Knight. Sister Knight, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's the, you know, and then as soon as she gets the phone call, like, once again, it's another act. Yeah. Isn't it? Yep. I like how he tells her off for cursing too much. <laughs> There's something yeah, yeah, very yeah, funny yeah, about yeah, yeah. that. And are we going to mention the the, the the resonance of the name Will? Oh yeah, Let's you know go for that it. that you know. I, I, did you notice that he pulls the boiled egg out yeah. of the pot? Barehanded. Yes, I so did. there's something going on with this guy. There is something going on. When he on. says I can lift two hundred pounds, I feel like maybe maybe he can. Well, maybe he can. Like okay, yes, like it's. I, uh, as I said, <laughs> for, for everyone listening, as I said to Ben, there, I've got heaps of notes. It's all over the place, and we might go jumping back and forward, and it, none of it's incorrect because there's so much to have a look at. Uh, so what I love is Will's all over the place, hinting at knowing about a conspiracy that would blow Angela's mm. mind, only giving it out. Mm-hmm. He's only giving it out a bit at a time, mm. or it'll do her head in. Mm. I think maybe Will is Damon Lindelof doing it to us, you know. I have a feeling if I tell you this whole plot, you're going to lose your mind. And it's like, thank you, Damon. Just uh, 
I, over the course of nine episodes, I'm wrapped because I don't know if I can cut it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he uh, he keeps he, he constantly keeps Angela off balance by claiming that he hung uh, Crawford from the tree mm. at the age of 105. Mm. That Crawford has secrets in his closet, mm. and incredibly, that he is also Doctor Manhattan. A claim he quickly refutes. When the call comes in that Crawford's body has been found, Angela heads to the site and pretends this is the first she's heard of this fellow super cop for lack of a better term, the reflective looking glass asks some questions, but Angela is overwhelmed by her feelings for her dead friend. She remembers back to the White Knight, a night when the 7th Cavalry, dressed in the Rorschach masks, attacked and killed many of the police force that night. Angela survived and woke to find Crawford waiting for her, injured himself. This is the night that inspired the police to wear masks so they could continue to do their jobs without fear of retribution. We also discover that that was the night Angela's fellow cop and partner was killed along with his wife, so they adopted the children that live with her in the present day. That was a fascinating thing from the oh, pilot, wasn't it? that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, yeah. okay. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, the police force goes looking for Crawford's killer and head down to Nixonville where a riot breaks out and Angela loses her cool while dealing with an attacker. Angela takes a cup that she had Will use to run a test on his DNA so she could work out who this man is and from there Angela returns home where she finds the grandfather for the children waiting for her. With everything going on, Angela pays him a check to leave but not before he makes a disparaging remark about the red fedations. She tells Topher, the eldest boy, that Crawford has been murdered, a piece of information he takes too well before breaking down the metallic building blocks he was playing with. When Angela leaves to see Crawford's widow, the father and Topher watch an episode of American Hero Story. <laughs> By the way, like there are so many warnings before watching it, saying maybe kids shouldn't even watch this without uh, with supervision, and they just let him watch it. Well, I mean, I, I think Dad's even looking away from the TV, oh, yeah. He's like physically He's, looking away while the kids uh, locked in, like, like locked in, and like it's. Uh, it's uh, it, 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 it's like uh, watching the credits at the end of a Marvel movie, all the disclaimers at the start. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, so yeah, many yeah, yeah. Of them. But I also what I, what, I, what I liked about that sequence was with the was the ubiquity of this show. Everyone's yes. watching. Everyone's this show. watching it. Like uh, the Seventh Cavalry yeah, the, are yeah, watching all, it. It's on in every TV, which is right. very unheard of in our version of 2019 with this kind right. of bifurcated media landscape. Right, and you know why? Mm. Because they don't have the internet. It, so has that been definitely established? Yeah. No internet. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So there's no internet. Yeah. So it's. It's like the old days when yeah. uh, you only had, you know, here in Australia, you only had four stations to choose from, yep. and one of them is the uh, ABC, which is our, you know... PBS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be the best way of putting yeah. it. So, you know, you have three yep. and a couple of shows on that station yeah, yeah, that you yeah. watch. Um, they, they, and they did a spectacular recreation of an AMC-type show. Yes. The, 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 the exact kind of framing and, you know, the ultra-violence and it all. Well, you, you see a recreation of the Hood of Justice take out some criminals in a Zack Snyder-esque orgy <laughs> of blood and violence. Uh, at the Crawfords' house, Angela meets Senator Keane, who is preparing to run for the presidency. Angela faints and is taken to a room to recover from her spell, but when she's left alone, she goes searching the house for proof that Crawford was hiding something. And she discovers in a hidden part of the house a Klansman's costume with a badge fixed on it. Angela returns to Will and receives a phone call that lets her know the result of the DNA test and she discovers that Will is her grandfather. She decides to take him in and wheels him out to the car but before she can drive him away a small flying aircraft with a large magnet picks up the car and flies away with Will inside which... 
It's, it's an amazing crazy. scene. Yeah, it's it is. crazy. Yeah, right? I love it. And uh, the, the, the one... Just that sentence alone. Oh, yeah. A giant magnet came out of the sky and picked the car off. Yeah. But with a 105-year-old man in it. Yeah. And, and, and the look on his face, because he said, I've got friends in high places. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah very good. And then yeah, he gives yeah, a look yeah, as yeah. he say, hey, I've never been lying. <laughs> and, the, and I thought I'd finish on this. While all of this is playing out, we see the mysterious man on the estate riding his horse and eating a tomato from a tree. Yeah, that was very weird. odd, right? Odd, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Between that and trying to cut a cake with a horseshoe. Yeah. Like, yep, yep, yep. He returns inside to have his servants present him with another cake, two candles. I wonder what that signifies. Mm, mm. But he wants to watch them act out his play, The Watchmaker's Son. And in the play, the actors portray the origin of Dr. Manhattan from the graphic novel. But in this play, the male servant is locked in a tiny room where he is burned to death. The rest of the actors continue the play. And when they remove their masks, they reveal that they might be clones of the male and female servant. The mysterious man declares it has only just begun. Like the comic, we get a bit of Blue Wang as well. Great to see Lindelof, uh, you know, exploiting HBO's propensity for um, male meat on screen. Yeah, you know that was always... That was why the majority of people started watching Game of Thrones. They heard, oh, there's boobs in it, and then they got sucked in by the story. So uh, here's hoping people who are into looking at a very cold blue penis uh, draws them in um, so so heaps to uh, unpack here uh, you know in the little video where she goes in to get the DNA test yes uh, that is uh, that the African American man in that. It's uh, in the in the Tulsa Museum. In the yeah. in the museum, yeah, yeah. where uh, where you find out if you qualify yeah. for the reparations yeah. due to the ancestors' connection to the Tulsa massacre. Mm. That is real life human person Henry Louis Gates, who is a Harvard professor who hosts a show called Finding Your Roots, ah, which is appropriate. Deep cut, nice. Good. I appreciate that. I'm, I I I think that might be really obvious for. Uh, the American viewers, yep. but uh, that was something that was new to me. Mm-hmm. He's also a literary historian who studies and preserves historical texts, including black newspapers and magazines. He discovered yeah, right. the novel Our N-Word. I know that sounds really silly for me to say Our N-Word, mm-hmm. but I would rather sound silly than offend yep. anyone. And yep. I don't know, yep. like if you're not paying attention properly and then you go... You don't get to say Why that. Why is this middle-aged white man saying that? Yes. yes. So, you know, it's like when someone says, what does NWA stand for? You feel ridiculous saying N-word, N-word with, with attitude. attitude. <laughs> but, you yeah, know. Of course, I know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so this novel was written in 1859 by Harriet E. Wilson and thought to be the first novel written in, American, uh, in America by an African-American. Which yeah, is, right. So he's a... So, so, do we know what it's about? Is it about the slave experience? Or uh, I, I have to be honest, I have not gotten that right, far okay, into yep. uh, that, but uh, I, I think it may, maybe it was. Mm. Uh, but um, uh, reluctant to uh, definitely say it was. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, of course, he ends up in the Redford administration. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. working there. It's a, you know. So there's been uh, you know we were discussing just before we started uh, recording, but yeah. uh, you know there's been some complaints from certain sectors that it's. Uh, too woke, and I, I, just I don't. I really don't. Un- I really don't understand that. No, neither do I. I think it is from you know, and, and we're, we're two hours in, so who can really say? But the the impression that I get is that it's um, critical of any kind of extremism on either side, right? Like you know, when 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 you told me that a lot of the backlash about episode one is that it's too woke, you see a policeman beat the shit out of a guy. 
to the point where blood is flowing from underneath the door. Right. She brutalizes him to get information. That, uh, uh, the last I heard, that is not a woke policing policy. Right. You know, they're, 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 they're depicting things that are, uh, are extreme on both ends of the spectrum. And is the, is the Redford presidency, um, is that supposed to be like the left-wing version of yeah. this long-term Nixon presidency? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And, yeah, yeah. and you can see that, you know, we see it in the pilot that... Mm. Okay, well, this is this is what happens when you have extreme gun control. Exactly, exactly, and, and it's fucking terrible. And that cop ends up dead because of it. Absolutely, and of course, the technology is shit, even though it's right. the future. You right. Know, it's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think that that was too woke. I thought that that was saying this is where too much wokeness can get to where we're you know in a situation where this guy really should have a firearm. It is a dark road in the middle of the night, right? And he's pulled over a potential domestic terrorist, and yeah. he has to get permission. For his firearm. I'm right. not sure that that's celebrated as a good decision. I think that that's shown to be a very silly idea. Right. Um, and, and, you know, like a, we, we live in Australia where there is gun control. Yeah. Uh, but that is, that's too much. So, it's a, you know, it's saying, like, I didn't take it that, if you know, if this was a utopia, then you'd go, ah, oh, here we go. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know. No, but the, the, the society is still clearly uh, broken in many ways. It's not yeah. saying just because a, uh, a liberal is in charge that, um, you know, hey, everything's worked out. Right. It's still uh, a, flaw- a deeply flawed society. Deeply flawed. Mm. And there's still these, uh, you know, divisions. You know, yeah. it hasn't, hasn't healed. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, looking from afar mm. at Barack Obama getting into power where oh, it felt remember. like the majority of the rest of the world went great yeah and then you know there were some people that were like no that we we don't want this and uh, i i don't know about you but uh, there was uh, i i'm willing to admit i had a level of naivety that yeah. uh people wouldn't be into that wouldn't be into having uh, an african-american president and the things that he was trying to introduce yeah well a, a journalist friend of mine uh you know we were <sighs> drinking and ranting about Trump as is my you know been my favorite hobby for the last three years yeah uh, and you know she pointed out you know for for a lot of people um, they were as horrified by Barack Obama being in power for eight years as we are over Trump yeah they're, they're wrong right and they're you know <laughs> fucking yeah. like, that's crazy yeah like he wasn't you know um, just because Glenn Beck said that he was some socialist dictator and he was gonna you know destroy your lives doesn't right. there's no truth to that right uh you know at worst he's just another politician yeah but um yeah I th- like you said there was this real naivete that, that we didn't even imagine that there would be a huge contingent of people yeah. who are now, you know, uh, voting in the most nihilistic way possible. Right. Where it's like, well, let's just go with the complete, you know, literally the anti-matter Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. It's frightening. And, you know, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, like Obama was flawed as well. Like Obama wasn't perfect. and Of course uh, not. He's a fucking human being. Right. And in a, in a political system that is designed in many ways not to really work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but, you know, his favourite character on The Wire was Omar, so, and he can shoot a sweet three-pointer. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's friends with George Clooney, so that's three <laughs> wins, Barack. You're back on track for me. And very funny. Come on, he's very, very, very funny. funny. Oh, yeah. Like, he has, he has uh, comedy timing. Fantastic yeah. timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the president with the greatest comic timing of all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Uh, I found the structure of this episode to be fascinating and I mm. felt in many ways it was a throwback to uh, an episode of Lost with these flashbacks. Uh, you know, the story's moving forward, but flashing back to things that happened in the past right. and then coming yeah, back. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I would also say uh, Lindelof has always said that Watchmen was a massive influence on his writing. So it's it's now like he's returning the favour yeah, to, yeah, 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 to yeah. the art. Yeah. Some of those transitions were beautiful. Really? One, the, 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 the jump cut from um, them standing in front of the tree oh. and then the exact same formations in front of the Nixonville uh, Oh, yeah, when she was park. walking off. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I, I, I think I was, uh, having already watched it, I'd, I'd forgotten that transition and I think I was literally saying to you, God, how good are the... Oh, another transition. <laughs> it, 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 uh, it, it really feels like, you know, and I do get Alan, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, you know, Alan Moore is one of my top guys yeah and i and i empathize to a point with his you know recoil against all of these things that are made yeah. of his things i do think that he gets a bit overboard sometimes you know league of extraordinary gentlemen is literally a universe built out of other people's creations right and he's you know it's so and it's one of his greatest works so there's a bit of hypocrisy in there right. but i feel i said this too earlier i feel like if he could somehow be clockwork oranged into watching this oh, right. you know pin his fucking eyes open and yeah. make him watch an episode well, I'll, I'll give him drops yeah. <laughs> but, you know there's a yeah, this is such a like okay so this is this will show you like i'm for I'm a 47-year-old man, nominally, and uh, there is a part of me that's like, I love Lindelof, I love Alan Moore, hey, hey, be friends, I want you guys to be friends, I want want all the people I love to be friends. Both my dads still love each other. Yeah, I do. um, But I feel like he could, like, you know, I can't imagine Alan Moore ever going, yeah, it's very good, but I feel like he could at least admire... It is as it seems to be as much effort has been put into the structure of this right. as the very you know uh, anal structure of the original book. Yeah, you know the, the the transitions are perfect. The echo there's echoes all the way through. Oh yeah, and and the and the the callbacks to the original source material aren't these ham-fisted, like, hey, see, we got it. Right. You know, which which was a big criticism I have of the, the film version. Right. You know, like, hey, here's the blood dripping in slow motion on the smiley face badge. We got it. We right. got that image. Like, right. Yeah, but you didn't get the meaning behind it. Yeah. Uh, whereas the echoes in this one, there's, you know, like that speech that the uh, Hooded Justice does uh on the uh what's that what's the TV show called? Uh American Hero American Story. American Hero Story. Yeah. That was very reminiscent of Rorschach's opening oh, speech yeah. from issue one. Yeah. You know? Uh oh sorry, not issue one, issue five um, when he's when he's talking about putting his face on for yeah. the first time and the reflection was finally something he could look at. And you know, like it, once again it's uh see what that, that's such a beautiful bit of writing mm. uh by Lindelof and Cuse and everyone in the writers team because it is, it's funny, mm-hmm. like it's surface level funny, mm-hmm. and then we see Angela, mm. and it's actually meaningful yep. to her, yep. and it's a callback to the comic. Yeah. Like, yeah, so good. <laughs> and and it serves the exact same function that the pirate comic yes. did within the original text yes. of Watchmen, the, the graphic novel. Yeah. You know, th- th- it's clear that this uh, AMC type show is... You know the uh, the uh, metaphor for what's going on within the body of the actual show. Yeah, it's very interesting, very very clever. It, uh, Without feeling derivative, no, it, 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 homage, but not 
you know. Yeah, and it, and it does, you know, it's echoing. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the original graphic novel echoes itself all the way through. Absolutely. Because and... I feel like so much, a lot of the danger that um, these, you know, properties, when they're uh, re-examined or re-explored, that they fall into is that real kind of, when they're at their worst, it's that like, oh, so that's how it right. happened. Yeah. That's how Chewbacca got his nickname, Chewie. Oh my I god! I don't need to. I don't need to know. I, I, yeah. You know, or in Tim Burton's uh, Willy Wonka, you know, oh, Willy Wonka's dad was a dentist. Oh that's yeah. That's why he likes. Cho- Maybe he just likes chocolate, and that's yeah. enough. Yeah. Like, I don't need to know why. What's What's been the? Um, it, it became a. Uh, I was working on a TV show. And uh, it became a funny game between uh, my friend and I, uh, Rove, yeah. between Rove and I, because we went and saw the solo movie, <laughs> and it's like, uh, what's your name? Hard. Uh, what, uh, you know, whatever it is. What tribe do you belong to? I don't belong to a tribe. Uh, solo. So you're That's solo. Right. I don't. I don't need to know where he got his name from. And it's then it became just... it became a, a fun game to play for famous characters. You know, <laughs> hey, uh, 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 hey, you've moved in, but you haven't paid your bond yet. Oh, I'll pay it. Tomorrow, oh, you never pay your bond, James. You know, <laughs> I never, I never saw Solo. But is it true that literally the origin they, that they give you the origin oh. of why he says Chewy, and it's because hey, Chewbacca's got too many syllables. I'll just call you uh, Chewy. Uh, something oh, like that. Fuck yourself. Oh, man, it's so. It's anyway. It's it always makes me a bit sad because you always. Like you know, you just know everyone went in with the best of intentions, and yeah, it's know. just you but, know. But but, but 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 all of that, all of that criticism is to say when it when when the when you know coming back into a world that you're very familiar with is mm. done well. Yes, you know it's fucking great. Yeah, and this really feels this like quality. we're back in yeah. this universe. Yeah, but you're showing me something new. You're not just pressing the buttons that you think that I are going to make me happy. Yeah, you know? for You're, sure. It, it's, it's very, very good. I felt, uh, once again, uh, relating everything back to The Leftovers, it's, uh, I felt like each season did that as well. It mm. uh, Each season felt very distinct and its own world, uh, but it felt like a part of the greater whole yeah, right. at all times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, I, I did read something where Lindelof was saying that maybe... Maybe he would do another season, but he, he's. I think there's a, a level of contentness that this is this is a story he wanted to tell. This is a story it'll mm. tell. It'll be complete, and then so and then he then he hypothesized and said, you know, maybe someone else could do it. He said, and he said, imagine Ryan Coogler doing a season <laughs> of Watchmen, and I was like, well, I would love to see Lindelof come back. But imagine Ryan Coogler because <laughs> he's fantastic. Well, I feel like the world is so rich that you mm. could almost do a true detective type thing with it yes. where it's like, oh, we'll just do it 10 years. We'll do the 1990s Watchmen oh, series. You or know, the, the Crime Busters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, imagine delving into that world. Yeah. Uh, there was something that I thought, uh, here's a little bit of hypothesizing and could be wrong about this, but in uh, the American Hero story, the mm. Hood of Justice says he faked his death. So, hmm. do you reckon that means that Adrian Veet has faked his death? So, ah, right. do you know what I mean? Like, is that foreshadowing Adrian? Or is there is there some foreshadowing with uh, Crawford? Is that Crawford? Uh, uh, who, sorry. Don, Don Johnson. 
Oh, right, right, right. Well, I mean, isn't there is a headline in episode one that says Adrian Veet declared dead? Yes. So, so it could. It's probably that. I might be. I might be jumping too many. Or we could hurdles. be. Or we could be in some weird time dilation. Oh. Where this is the Adrian Veet story is not happening concurrent with everything that we're seeing. Well, that's an interesting thing as well. And I had a uh, I had a little theory on that, which I thought you might uh, look. I I could be completely wrong about this, right? <laughs> but I'm just going to throw it out there because it's fun. So it's probably Veet. Like we know that uh, the you know that. <laughs> by the way, Jeremy Irons, it's just been <laughs> so good. Uh, He's um, looks like he's cloning, right? He's yeah. cloning people, and he's you know he's played around with the gene splicing and cloning in the in the comics. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly, like when he said, "We'll throw him with the rest," it's like, is this the prestige? Yeah. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> like the way they drop the body, there's just something a little bit odd about them. And, and, yeah. And so it's like, so I had two questions to throw to you. Mm. At the end of the graphic novel. Mm. Dr. Manhattan says he's become interested in life again and maybe he'll create his own. Mm. Is this is this Adrian Veet or is this Dr. Manhattan trying to create a world? And that's yeah. why things don't have the spark, aren't quite right, and that's him trying to live as a normal person. That's yeah, why the tomatoes right, are growing right, right. like apples. That's uh-huh. why you're getting a horseshoe to cut a cake that tastes awful. Yep. That's why yep, yep, if you burn yep. someone, who cares? Because he's just like maybe that's all happening on Mars. Well, yeah, because my, you know the, the 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 issue that I had with the clone theory is these are not n- normal people. No, they are not grafts of, uh, and if they are, they're heavily degraded because right. they're they're completely subservient. They're completely yeah. you know uh, uh, religiously devotional. Yeah, in a way that uh, you know. Uh, there's some kind of brainwashing happening there. My first thought when I first when I saw the first episode was robots, right? Uh, but maybe I've been watching too much Westworld. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, that's a fascinating theory. Look, it might be insane, and mm. I spend a lot of like I'm a single man who lives by himself and spends a lot of time <laughs> overthinking things. And if uh, if in uh, you know seven episodes everyone says that was insane, it's like you know what? No, it, it's a great theory. It I had a good time it's thinking about it. It's great. <laughs> well, because I mean, something is clearly going to happen with Manhattan. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's very very because that's the thing. There was something where uh where Will says um I'm Doctor Manhattan, mm. and Sister Knight says. No, he can't. He can't look like us. He can't. Can he? Can't, well, he do, can't he do anything? Yeah. Can't Doctor Manhattan do anything Doctor Manhattan wants to do? Well, if he can turn walls to glass and bullets to flowers, right? Surely he can make himself look like a person. He can make himself really big. He can make himself really small. Yeah. He can make many versions. Yeah, of himself yeah, yeah. That run concurrently. You know, them saying definitively that he can't do that makes you think. Well, maybe he can. Oh, so maybe, yeah. and that's why that's what made me think. Oh, maybe that's maybe because. So I here's like the thing. That a lot. See, there was a they did a Comic Con thing, and uh. they put all the names of the actors on the poster yeah. appearing. And for Jeremy Irons, they wrote underneath, "Yes, it is who you think it is." Yeah, and there's just this little part yeah. of me. There's just a little part of me that thinks. Nah, I don't trust you. I reckon there's a part of you going, yeah, it is who you think it is. So then I sit back like an old fanboy going, oh, yeah, it's Adrian Feen. These people who have never read the graphic novel don't know. And then they're going to go, it's Dr. Manhattan. I'll go, damn you, little lot. Damn all of you. Well, he's listed as Adrian Veed on IMDb, not for whatever that means. But, but in, in the script, he's known as, uh, I read a, a little interview with Tom 
Mizen, is that his name? The, he's uh, the, one of the clones. Yeah. Uh, I do know that actor's name. I've just uh, dangled myself on it. But he in the script, he's known as um, the blonde man. Right. So that... And I don't so know that if, probably is Adrian Feet, but you know. Well, did you notice he uh, he echoed the final line that uh, Doctor Manhattan spoke to Veet in the final issue right. of Watchmen? Nothing ever ends. Right. So that so I you he know, would know that because he would know he's that Adrian Veet. Yeah. But he might also know that because he said it. But it's interesting because at the end of the con- this is real fanboy shit. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Fun? Mate, is it- mate, this is. <laughs> do you know the Do you know the podcast? Yeah, right? okay, right. yeah, yeah. But it's it's interesting because when he's when he is told nothing ever ends. Mm. At the end of the comic, that is a profoundly disturbing yeah. uh, piece of information for him. He doesn't process that well, yeah. and I, I, I think he says, "You know, what, what does that mean? What yeah. does that mean?" Yeah. And he's left, and it's a, quite a large panel, as I remember, yeah. of him just, you know, and oh shit, in front of that little uh, orrery, of, orrery of the yeah, the, yeah. the universe, yeah. And whereas in this episode of the show, when he mm. says nothing ever ends, it's with a real. Resonance. Mm. There is no question mark on yeah. that. So either he's come to accept this, right. or it's something he's known all along. So here's the other thing. So if it's if he if 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 it is Veet, mm. is he trying to make a new Doctor Manhattan, or is he going to try and make himself into a new Doctor Manhattan and try to recreate mm. the experiment? I don't know. I, I I don't mind that idea, but I had heaps more fun thinking that it was actually really Doctor Manhattan. Very good. Yeah, I was look. Probably wrong. Had a lot of t- good times thinking it and was really waiting for you to get here so I could say <laughs> it at the right time. <laughs> get on Reddit and share it around. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, the title of the episode, Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship, is an inversion of the name of the painting that hangs in Crawford's house. Right. The painting by George Catlin is called Comanche Feats Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Of martial horsemanship. And in the painting, we see Native Americans use a strategy where they drop to either side of a horse's body and while riding, swing up and attack their enemy and then swing down to either side to hide from the enemy and their weapons. Uh, We saw this... Uh, recently in the Coen Brothers movie, The uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, uh, specifically the story The Gal Who Got Rattled, which was my favourite story in it, and it 
really upset me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's that that tactic is described quite um, well in uh, the Cormac McCarthy novel Blood Meridian oh, as well. Right, right. There's a lot of that technique used right. uh, in a particularly horrific uh, massacre sequence. I'm just uh, reading uh, like I'd never read uh, No Country for Old Men. Fantastic. And, and I'm so like I'm really loving how faithful it is. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read Blood Meridian? No. Please do. I've read The Road and that nearly gave me a nervous breakdown. Blood Meridian is yeah. out of control. Oh, yeah. It's a wonderful, okay. wonderful Maybe that'll be the next one. Mm. Um, so, the inversion of this painting, and I'm wondering uh, what you think that might mean. Uh, I was wondering, is it, uh, uh, is it potentially like a metaphor? Like, is it a metaphor for, you know, mm. your enemies are... Like because if you're on one side of the horse, you're hiding in plain sight. So is that is that a metaphor? Yeah. Um, and so is that is that what Crawford Don Johnson's character was all along was was like if it refers to him, does that mean he was secretly in the Seventh Cavalry, or had he or maybe he was infiltrating them, or does it re- refer to someone else? Uh, the, the transition is to Jeremy Irons. So is it helping point out that? Adrian Veet isn't dead and he's hiding in plain sight. Mm, 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 mm. I I don't I re- look my TV brain just from watching you know I've done my ten thousand hours of TV view viewing so yeah you know there's a bit of expertise in there I, I yeah. could be shown up to be a moron but I feel like it's not as simple as Don Johnson was right a secret Klansman right I feel like he's been I mean it, I mean maybe it's a wonderful twist but I feel like he's been depicted with so much warmth right and so much. Uh, genuine affection for Regina King's character. Right. That the level of deception that would be going on, uh, you know, who knows. Uh, I did wonder, though, why he is the only uh, member of the police force that does not hide his face. Yes. Is that just because of his position of authority? But it seems to be an incongruity, not an incongruity, but it definitely seems to be like you are putting yourself at an amazing amount of risk. Yeah, I found that pretty interesting as well, and I've been wondering uh, what that... what that could mean. Also, the decision in episode one to leave the house without protection seemed to me... Is that by design, or are you just fucked on cocaine and you've got an inflated sense of your own... uh, of your own abilities right now because it just seemed like a very ill-advised decision. Well, here's the here's the other thing that I uh, jumping ahead in some of my uh, notes. Uh, so he, here's something I'm going to throw out there, and I'm not I I'm literally throwing this out there, and uh, you know I'm curious to know what other people think. Um, so you know when Angela comes home and her husband's playing with the kids mm. and the kids are wearing pirate and owl outfits, uh-huh. which is cute because that's the world yep. that they live in and it builds once again on the, yep. the, the, the comic. Echo, echo, echo. Yeah. Yep. Her husband, Cal, is wearing a sheet like a ghost, which we... Uh, now, we see a kid wear a similar costume in the comic when they're trick-or-treating mm. and they find yep. Hollis Mason yep. dead. Yep. So it might just be a callback to that. But sheets are used by the clan. Mm. So is there something going on? Is there something awful going on with Crawford and Cal? Because we don't see how Angela gets out of that predicament. That's what I'm about to say. So could they have been in on something together to keep her motivated to do... Yeah, right. Now, now I'm not saying that it was necessarily something awful and racist, but was it something to keep... You know, she's obviously... There's... There's stuff going on with her story, and we'll get into that in a in a sec after we unpack this little bit. But yeah, uh, you know, 
did they need her? And mm. and this is you know this is how you get because it feels like an origin story for her. So is there something as in what fuck with the family? Give the person the motivation to yeah maybe I don't know. There's you know maybe it was a play for power so he could put into place things to you know take out the seventh cavalry in the first episode. He's really curious as to why they've come back. Mm-hmm. Like you know mm-hmm. that everything was quiet. Why would you come back? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I find th- there's something. There's something fascinating mm. in not telling us how she got out of that situation because that guy has a gun at her face, and then she wakes yeah. up. Yeah, and 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 the, uh, the 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 cut that you would see that would seem to be the most likely is mm. you know whatever the husband coming and taking that guy out or whatever. Right. But the fact that you don't see what happens, right? Uh, it was very yeah, it was very conspicuous. So look, I once again I might be. You know, it's the perfect shit. Like, I'm not going to feel bad for trying to draw lines between things when it's quite clearly that kind of show. But I just found it fascinating that he was dressed as a ghost. Yeah. Because you could have anything walk the plank. You could yeah. you could have anything be... And and I know that might... By the way, I, I apologise if anyone thinks even me suggesting that is offensive. No. Me. No, but you know no, I, no, mean. I know yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, that was a little thought I had. Uh Little uh, extra. Well, I mean, wasn't so. So just to just to add mm. on that for a second, wasn't no. that the original concept of the clan uniform? Right. Yes. It was supposed to be. You know. Oh, we're ghosts. We're going to freak people out. Oh right. I, yeah, I, I think so. You know. I think that 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 might be completely off base. Right. But I feel like I've heard that somewhere that that was the original uh, concept behind the, the 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 white sheets. Right. Was you know where you know we're spirits. Right. Uh, so there might be a link there. I don't know. Sometimes maybe it's just a ghost is a ghost. Maybe a ghost is a ghost, mate. <laughs> well, that uh, you know, it, there is a um, uh, jumping ahead a little bit in Topher's room. There, in the background, there's a picture of uh, Salvador Dali's "The Persistence of Memory" painting, mm. uh, which is you know often referred to as melding clocks. Yep. And uh, I, I talk about this in uh, another podcast, so I won't go into it uh, too deeply here in, in one that's coming up. But the um, you know, people thought it was uh, Salvador Dali commenting on, you know, uh, quantum physics and, you know... Oh, really? Yeah. And, yeah, right. But, uh, you know, and all sorts of things. And then he essentially said it was a surrealist uh, painting of uh, Melting, Melting Cabin Bear. Cheese. <laughs> you know, so, so you know, maybe this is my, my Cabin Bear cheese <laughs> moment. Um, Do we know what building the, the, young, the young boy is building? Oh, let me let me get yeah, to that yeah, in a sure. sec. I'll yeah, get yeah. I've got some squid bits yeah, for good, you, so good, I'll get good. to that yeah, in a yeah. sec. Um, little little uh, another little tasty fact that I found out: uh, Comanche was the name of a horse in the Seventh Cavalry, Calv- uh, a United States Army regiment who infamously participated in many wars against uh, Native Americans, uh, mm. including the infamous Battle of Little Bighorn. Comanche was the horse of General Custer used for that battle. Um, and so I wondered if there was an implication with the flipping of the words for the title of the episode with the painting that Angela is being used in a greater battle. I don't doubt that she definitely is being used in a greater battle. There's, yeah. You know, as, as he said, there is a vast and insidious conspiracy yes. uh, that would blow her mind if she knew the full extent of it. And, and, that, and that's what makes me wonder about that moment where she blacks out and then she comes to yep. you know yep, yep, so yep. there's there's yep. stuff to unpack there right well and and you know so much of the original source material is about you know the unseen hand 
you know, manipulating events yes. uh, in the background right. and, you know, positioning people, you know, to be in certain places at certain times, yep. I would be very surprised if that concept didn't carry over into this series. Yeah. In some form. In some form, yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, I'm curious to know if, if you think Angela's journey is a metaphor for the show. So uh, this is building on stuff that we just talked about. As she discovers information from her past or about her past, mm. from her from her work to her grandfather, does she learn terrible aspects of what makes her the person uh, that she is? Is that kind of a metaphor for in many ways, America discovering the terrible aspects of their past. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean she's a bad person. It doesn't mean America's a bad person. And, you know, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. It doesn't mean Australians are bad yeah. people, but there have been terrible things done mm-hmm. and we have built the current world on terrible things. Yeah. And I don't think it's I don't think it's bad to go and learn that mm. and discover that. Mm. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you have to I don't think you have to feel like you're a bad person because it happened, but you have to learn from it to be a better person now and make things better. Like yeah. that's how you get better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 you know, holding like a crippling guilt and uh, uh, you know, and all of this stuff is not actually helping you move forward and getting the good work done. Right. Uh, but I think what's currently going on. Because it does seem like a lot, like collectively, the society is kind of going through what a lot of people go through in their early twenties, where you suddenly wake up one day and go, "Oh shit, right? Everything's a fucking lie, right?" And I'm angry, yeah. Uh, and uh, I feel like you know a lot of the stuff that's being uncovered now—it's not even necessarily the horror of the sins of the past; it's right. the feeling of betrayal that they believed the lie, right? Nah, none of that stuff ever happened. Yeah. And it's all good. And we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. Yeah. And, you know, everywhere, you know, uh, manifest destiny and all these things. And yeah. then to kind of like be told, wait a minute. No, it's, it's, it's a lot messier and more complicated than that. It's like, no, but I liked the easy version of the story. Yeah. But now I can't go back to the easy version of the story because I've got too much information. Right. And uh, so I think that that's kind of, in, that, that, I think that's happening across the, the board throughout the whole world yeah. now. Yeah, I um, think so too. And I, and I, you know, to show a level of compassion, mm. I understand that as a gut reaction. Of course, you just want things to be simple so you can yep. move forward. Yep. But uh, the fact is, it's not. And it's it, it's it's one of those yep. things where, you know, in Australia, like I loved AFL. Like mm. I loved it. And I've just found it so difficult to reconnect with it because of the way they handled the Adam Goods situation. Yeah. And I know they apologised this year. Yeah. But... What I what I needed to see to be able to still enjoy AFL was I needed them to apologise in the moment when it was awful. Yeah, and yeah, and you know I you know I, I like of course I love being Australian and I love this country and uh, I think we have the potential to be fantastic, mm. but um, it it really upsets me that. We, we were very quick to condemn other places for being racist, you know? And yep. and then you say, well, what about the Aboriginal people? And you go, oh, well, you know, that's complicated. It's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, of course it's complicated, yeah. but that doesn't mean we should ignore it. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying any of it's easy. Uh, but you have to, you have to, you have to dig in. Yeah, and no, and no, no self uh, introspection is easy. You oh. know, it's 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 always, you know, whenever. I mean, I, I 
Listen to the two guys in therapy. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like I try and do, I try and do regular stock take. Yeah, so do I. I try and be really, you know, brutally honest with myself and my past and all of that stuff. And it can be, it can be really hard and awful. Yeah, often it is. And I don't know about you, but you go through a little period of going, "Oh, this is like I'm awful," and it's Mm. and it's you, you go back and you try. But how can you get better and, and, and learn from it and, and be better to other of people? Course. Unless you, and, you know, often the mistakes I've made, I look at and I think, like, they weren't, like, none of them were deliberate. Or malicious, even. Or malicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I made mistakes. Of course, because you're a fucking human. I still feel bad about things that happened in primary school. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I try to be better now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And it's the thing is, you know, like if, if the individual cannot move forward and become a greater person by examining their past, then how does the, collectively the nation do it? Right. If there's just this massive blind spot. Right. Uh, that is becoming increasingly difficult to ignore because it's not been sidelined uh, as it has been for definitely the times that we were growing up. Right. Like it was not even discussed. Yeah. Uh, whereas now it's very difficult. You know, you really have to go out of your way to avoid the discussion. Right. Um, but it's a painful discussion. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're not even directly, you know, we're negatively affected by it in the psychic sense of we're part of a society right. that is, you know, kind of ignoring a, a very big problem. Yeah. But we're not the recipients of the... Of the, of the of the racism and no. the, and and the discrimination and yes. all of that and it's so and it's still painful for us so yeah. you know but there's a yeah I, 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 I don't know there's no way forward for a society or an individual unless they're willing to really examine their past yeah um, and 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 confront the mistakes and say just because a mistake happened and wasn't necessarily even deliberate or malicious it doesn't mean that the impact of that mistake didn't cause a lot of turmoil yeah um, you know, so I don't know. It's it's the mark of I think I I really feel like that the, the the society in general is going through a mass adolescence, yeah, and kind of waking up to itself. Uh, and whether we get through it or not, I don't know. Yeah, but it does feel like that's what's happening collectively, especially in the uh, in the Western world. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could talk about that for a long time yeah. as well. Um, the uh, Angela, uh, you know, finding out stuff about her past. Mm. And then, uh, you know, impacting her present. Uh, that also mirrors uh, Laurie Blake, the second. Yes, uh, you know, yes, uh, of course. Who, of course, is the second Silk Spectre from the comic, who we're, we've seen in the trailers. Uh, by the way, I know uh, some journalists have had, I think, maybe the first six episodes come their way. I'm watching it week to week because mm. I've been waiting for this for so long. <laughs> I, I want to wait week to week. Yeah, I want to yeah, spend yeah. six days on my lounge doing nothing, growing a beard, <laughs> thinking about stuff. So I, but I know delay gratification. I know that she's uh, uh, coming up, and she's played by Jean Smart, who is awesome. And I last saw her in Legion, and she was right. so good. Yeah, uh, but she's always been a great actor, and uh, and she looks like so. Anyway, so Angela's yep. uh, seems to be kind of mirroring that revelation. And as I was saying to you before, uh, it, it feels a little bit like it's uh, her. Like I, I know she's already. Sister Knight, but in some ways it's like a delayed origin story. And I wonder if her finding out about her grandfather, this is, is this mm. her Uncle Ben, Bruce Wayne's parents moment? Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's, because, you know, last week we had the 
the the the inverted Superman origin mm-hmm. at the start yep, with yep. the young boy. Yep. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if this is the Uncle Ben inversion. Yeah. Right. And I wonder yeah, if we'll yeah, get yeah. an inversion in each one. Yeah. Right. And if Very... it is, I'd I'd love to just. Hug every one of those nerdy asshole creators <laughs> for doing that. I'm very, I'm very, very eager to know more about. Um, I keep calling you Mirror Face, not Mirror Face. What's it? Looking Glass. Looking Glass. Yeah. I'm really, I, 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 that's the guy I want to know yeah. more about. He's a very intriguing character. He's really. He feels like it's. It, there's lots of Rorschach parallels in many ways. Like mm-hmm. he gets in and he pulls his mask up the same way. To, yep. He's asking for the peanuts yep. in the noisy in the car. eating, noisy gross eating. eating. Oh, that's yep. one of the great things about the graphic novel. Like you can hear the beats. Swap, slap. They're awful. <laughs> Uh, so uh, the episode finished today, and yep. uh, like last week, I had a phone call from my sixty-six-year-old mum. So I've got another mum fact. Mum fact. Andrea is into this. Like <laughs> her two favourite shows of the year, it, I think might be this and The Deuce. Like, um, oh, your mum's fucking cool. Yeah, mum's great. <laughs> like, she's really great. Like, it's a, like a, you know, you, sometimes you just go, "Wow, how lucky am I to have a parent that I can." Who's who's sitting there? She's like, like you know, the last mosh she was in was in like in her fifties at the big day out at, at a at a rageous mum's five foot, and this was at a nine inch nails concert, and people were picking her up and throwing her around, and she she had a really good time, and at the end of it, she said, oh, "I reckon I'm done," but uh, you know, I was fifty three or something like I mosh that. my last mosh. Yeah, that was my last mosh. Well, wow, the last thing me and my mum connected over was the fucking Judy Garland movie. I felt oh, like right. Norman Bates. It's terrible. <laughs> Where could you get him this time of night? <laughs> um, yeah, mum's often thought that my taste in music is too soft, and she gets a bit embarrassed. Ah, yeah, Neil Finn's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my lame but son. She, yeah, yeah, but she loves. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> mum fact. I should. Uh, you know how you said you should get your mum on the podcast? Yeah. I'd love to. She's she's just not. You know. From she just wouldn't do it. Yeah. She would be. I reckon it would be one of those ones. The first ten minutes would be painful, and then the next hour would be me not getting a word in, <laughs> and it would be great. So, Mum's fact: I didn't know this. Uh, she had seen an interview, and then she chased it up and uh, sent me a link so I could read this. You see a tattoo on Regina King's I noticed, arm. Yes, it's in Hebrew, but it doesn't really mean anything in the modern or uh, biblical version of the of the language. And it translates as three letters that say, hey, hey, Ayan, which doesn't really mean anything. Mm. But, of course, uh, Regina King is, you know, ahead of the curve here. This is not like a, a, a Japanese symbol that when you, huh. <laughs> you read it, it <laughs> says, I like Dim Sims, and you go, you took advantage of me. <laughs> um, it, it goes all the way back to Aramaic, and it translates into unconditional love. And this is, this is a really sweet story. Uh, Regina and her only son, Ian, both had the ink applied right before she took into college. And uh, I found this on the Vulture website. Uh, She's quoted as saying, we considered different ones, but we felt this really embodies how we feel about each other. Oh, Bob. Oh, man. Like, stop it. How cool is Regina King? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'd love it. Yeah, yeah, And a lovely mum fact. Oh, it's a great mum fact. It's a mum fact about a mum fact. Yeah, lovely. Oh, look, there's there's parallels in this (laughs) podcast. There's echoes. Um... And uh, once again, Joel Embiid, if for some reason you're listening to this, thank you for not kicking Regina King in the head. Um, (laughs) So, some squid bits, some little bits to finish up on. I wonder 
Once again, is there a parallel in the power dynamic of the German officer dictating facts to his secretary and Crawford telling Angela what happened on the night of the White Knight? Mm. Once again, I might be I might be reaching for mm. that, but uh, I thought you know there, there's possibly something there. Um, but again, even if it doesn't lead to anything specific, it's 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 in keeping with the original source and yeah. it's just you know echoes. Yeah, it doesn't feel like anything happens just because no. to set up the next scene. You know, no, no, no. Uh, there's a there's a little theory that Will is hooded justice. Yeah, right. So uh, uh, this idea was floated. Uh, so I have I have the Facebook page, Big Squid with Justin Hamilton, but I have a, a private discussion one that anyone can join, but it's just a place that we can go and talk about things without yeah. having to worry about spoilers yeah. or someone who's coming in late. Uh, so uh, this idea was floated uh, by Emily Lind. Hello, Emily. She's in New York. <laughs> Emily's been a long-time listener. She's uh, cool people. Um, and she's floated the idea that maybe Will is Hood of Justice. And so Hood of Justice has interesting politics like mm. you kind of know it from the comic and you always wondered if it was that strong man but at the start of in the uh, american hero story he's put that body in there to you know so he can well that that is from the comic yeah th- th- they, they, it, they intimate that in um under the hood well that the, he uh, that he might have faked his death and, and there was also an implication that the comedian killed him yeah, as that's well right. yeah, 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 yeah so yeah, yeah. so if we take into account that if if emily's right and for the uh, and then Will is hooded justice, and then he's got that piece of paper with the propaganda mm. on it. Like at first, because in the comic he's uh, like he's drawn, like he can see that he's Caucasian underneath. Yeah, that's the, what I was about to say. Yeah, African American. But in maybe the comic. that's maybe that's not right. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. That's memory. Anyway. It would. It would also, uh, if that theory is true, it would. Uh, it would uh, add a level of resonance, a disturbing resonance, to the noose around Hooded oh, Justice's yeah. neck. Oh yeah, 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 mm. yeah. Because he always looked like yeah. a uh, like a, a, a negative of a yeah. Clansman, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, nice one. Um, so between American Hero Story and the Germans dropping leaflets uh, to the reigning squid, there's there appears to be a lot of propaganda. Uh, in American history, uh, hero, there's a there's a newspaper boy holding up a paper with the headline "Alien Invasion Just a Hoax." Uh, this is a reference to when Orson uh-huh. Welles put on a radio play of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, uh-huh. and uh, people freaked out, thinking it was a real uh, story. Now, so I did a little investigation into that, a little yeah. bit of internet uh, research, and Slate did an investigation that suggests that story isn't true. Either that uh, they worked out that not enough people actually listened to the play to have that story really? of the freak out, and their suggestion, and this all kind of ties in, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah. Their suggestion is that it was the newspaper industry sensationalizing the panic to prove to advertisers that radio management were irresponsible and not to be trusted. Ah, uh, right. It's up there with, you know, the, you know, hemp is bad. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, William Hurst. Yeah. Uh, Randolph Hurst. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. Wow. I've so, never heard that before. No, neither had I. I, I loved that. Oh, uh, that was, a, that was the, by the way, that was the other thing that I was, when I read that, I was like, oh, Ben, just That's... leave work early and get here quick. 
Um, oh, talk about having your fucking reality shattered. That's um, that's been one of my favourite stories of all time. Yeah, the HD yeah. Worlds. Oh, I'm sorry about that. No, 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 but, uh, but, no, but this is almost more um, sticky and complicated. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And so you know, there's there's the you know that relates to the end of the graphic novel and yeah. you know, how people feel about it and yeah, 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 what's yeah, yeah. happening with the writing script. Anyway, I thought you'd find that fascinating. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I, I, I saw that you noticed the Hiroshima lover's shadow spray yep. painted on the wall at yep. one point. Yep. That was a bit exciting, wasn't it? I was yep. like, oh, they're there. Yep. Um, I wonder who Topher's parents are. Like, I know that that was her... Like, once again, it just might have been her partner, but... Uh, Topher is the oldest child. He's the eldest. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And wait, so we don't think that he's the. We don't think that all three children. Oh, I think are... all three of them are. But I'm, I was just saying Topher and I, I can't. I don't know the other kids. The no, kids but that's things. what I mean. Are we, are we not? Are we not saying that those all three children I are think the children of the partner? That's what partner? I thought. Yeah, all three are. Uh, the, the, is but that Topher's explicitly the said because I never picked up on that. Yeah, that was said in the uh, when they talked about. Uh, when she's told that her partner was killed, and I think uh, uh, Crawford says uh, the boy's name, and she says he likes to be called Topher. Ah, oh, so right, right, right. I see. They, yes, yes, she yes. She took yes. them on board. Yep. Um, so here's something that I uh, had. Uh, anyway, the castle he was building uh. with the magnetic Lego, uh. awesome. Yeah. It looks like the castle that Jeremy Irons lives in. Which also looks like the castle that was built oh, on Mars. Oh shit! You know the in the news report yes. when he yes, and the fact that Topher destroys it in yeah. much the same way as Manhattan destroys yeah. it. Yeah. Ew. Ooh. Yeah. Right. Very very good because I the building seemed familiar. Yeah. But I couldn't put my finger on what it was. No. You think it is? Well, it looks it. So, uh, I, I thought it looked like the. I thought it <laughs> looked like the. Uh, uh, the, the Mars one. Yeah. Because I've watched the episodes a few times and it was only the second time through that I went, oh, hang on a minute. Uh, but then I looked on online and, uh, you know, the internet is of course. sometimes amazing. Yeah, and yeah, someone yeah. had screenshot three photos and put them together and it was like, oh, it's a... Is it this... But it, like, it looks it, like it. It looks like it. Yeah, right, because okay. you're getting ones from a satellite, yeah, ones, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it looks pretty similar. I'm, I'm, there, there will be some spectacular revelatory thing with Manhattan. I don't know if it'll be a twist or oh, some yeah. kind of, yeah. you know, last act surprise, but yeah. I think... I think like it, something like he's really Jeremy Irons? Yeah, Come I on! reckon. I think that's <laughs> fucking genius, man. Right. I'll be wrapped if I've uh, picked that. I'll also be wrapped if I'm wrong. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm either happy way. either way. Anyway, I'm, ha- I'm having a really good time. Um, <laughs> this, this is nothing, but I love the sound of the electric cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wrote the sound down. design and the music in general is is spectacular. Yeah. Oh, so good. Mm. Um, you mentioned this before mm. when Angela finds uh, the the clan robes. Mm. It it reminds you of when Rorschach found the comedian's outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool. And she's wearing uh, night owl esque goggles. Goggles. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, the the technology of the mm. heroes is everywhere. Yeah, I kind of thought that that ship at the end was like an owl, like the uh, night owls kind of. Yeah, ship, yeah, 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 know, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. And, and uh, sorry, just to go back for one second, was the was the owl ship because it was it was an owl ship in yeah. the first episode. Was that night owl's owl ship, or is no, that just the design? Has I think it's kind the design out into the world. See, uh, I think you saw when it crashed because it flips. You could see like police. Logo oh, okay, stuff right. Underneath. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, Joe Keane Jr. 
is played by James uh, Woke. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Who is, for anyone who's a fan of Mad Men, I'm a big fan of Mad Men. He played <laughs> Bob in Mad Men. And he is part of one of the show's greatest scenes where the character Pete yells, not great, Bob. It's if you watch Mad Men, you know that scene. And it's awesome. Uh, the news vendor uh, is that he uh-huh. reminded me of Burnett. Yeah, more echoes. And uh, he also has a uh, hat cap. that's yep. similar. Yep. That was cool. I've got to say, there's a lot of disadvantages to this world, uh, clearly, but uh, I kind of like the idea of living in a world where everyone still reads newspapers. Oh, yeah. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I, w- I wonder uh, who the um, who the little girl is, the daughter of, who yes. comes and buys all the... Great, great. Does she read all? Yeah, of course. Do you, uh-huh. Don't you? Yeah, but I don't believe it. He's a like, <laughs> great character. He's only in it for a little while, but I also hope that that does not mean something bad. Like, I wonder if we'll get more and more, and mm, that sets mm, up mm. the way uh, the graphic novel works. Um, he dismisses. Oh, the news vendor is played by Robert Wisdom, who was in The Wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, he dismisses the squid rain as false flags, which mirrors exactly the end of the graphic novel, where the giant alien squid yep. invasion is false, false. flag yeah yep. uh, and it's good to see Nova Express and New Frontiersmen still in publication yeah amazing what yeah. For 40 years later yeah fantastic but New Frontiersmen was probably got a <laughs> bonus once they did the journal do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean of course yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, when they uh, the play contains the line as impenetrable as the Gordian knot uh, Gordian knots are referenced throughout the comic, including mm. the locksmiths, who are the Gordian knot locks. Uh, but um, uh, if if a, if Jeremy Irons is Adrian Veet, um, he's obsessed with Alexander the Great mm-hmm. and the legend of the Gordian knot. Uh, we'll be unpacking that with uh, Richard Feidler uh, when we get to uh, he want he he said there were two chapters of the graphic novel he wanted to talk about. It was it was one of those great moments where I said to Richard, "Do you want to be on it?" <laughs> he said, "Yeah, how are you doing it?" I told him, and he said, oh, and before I could say anything, he said, "I want to do chapter four, which we've already recorded, which is awesome." Hearing him wait, break down wait. Doctor Manhattan issue, yep. and he wants to do Alexander the Great, fantastic, and, you know, because he's got. Uh, that wonderful book. Anyway, that'll be yep. a lot of fun. So we'll get stuck into that then. But uh, the Gordian Knot, of course, is the uh, Adrian Veet admires that story mm-hmm. in Alexander the Great because it's uh, an example of lateral thinking. The ingenuity, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you untie it and just cut it in half? Cut it in half. Yep. Uh, we've already covered the goggles looking like Night Owl. The news cameramen look like they're using the technology that Mothman. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Funny. Uh, I noticed this in the last, uh, our viewing together. The imagery of when Angela takes Crawford down and she hugs him. And, you know, it's it's almost the same. Like there's a pause. And then when Angela lifts up her grandfather, Will, she pauses. But she's lift one she's taking down, one she's lifting up. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and then I just thought... The, the, I... There's a real depth to that character in the... You know, because there's, the, there's, that, that, there's that brutality in her yep. that in a lot of ways is similar to Rorschach. Uh, you know, just that ability to completely fly off the handle and beat the shit out of someone yeah. for answers. Yeah. But there's a real... It, and, it, and it's Regina King's performance. There's a real yearning for... Uh, intimacy, yes, and closeness, yes, and you and you know, anytime that she's interacting with someone in her life, yeah, her husband or her kids, 
or when she's pulling the chief off the rope. And even that moment where this she's just met this man and for all right. she knows he's completely insane. Right. But, you know, but there's a connection. There's some Something. kind of blood connection. Yeah. And she, you know, the, that in that moment, you really got a sense of that that need for human contact. Yeah. Really interesting. Her performance is... Yeah, it's fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just Brilliant. unbelievable. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's... Uh, she's a... Also, what's really fascinating is, in many ways, superhero stories mm. are incredibly sexless. Yeah. And uh, she's very sexual. Yep. And she enjoys sex. Yep. You know, and we've seen that in two episodes now. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's a real breath of fresh air, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> seeing, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like there's... Well, and again, it's the contrast to something that's in the book, the complete sexual dysfunction that exists all the way through the book. Right. Yes, you know, good point. You know, there's yes. a lot of sexual impotency or just sexual depravity right. in, the, in the comic. Well, you know, there's the, you know, like poor Dan Dryberg yeah, can't get it up until he's gone out and fought crime. Yeah, 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 exactly right. And even then, you know, it's all these fantasies of the apocalypse that are kind of commingled in it. She's, right. She has a very, she seems to have a very healthy sexuality. Right. Um, yeah, it's You know, fun. she's very in it. She loves her husband. She yeah. finds him attractive. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, and it's, uh, and it's done in a classy way as well. Like, mm. you, you don't really, like, you, you know they're having sex, but, uh, the, you know, for an HBO show is... There's no titillation. No, and but it seemed very emotionally honest. Like yes. that, you know, and that like, you know, uh, when the phone's ringing in the first episode, is the, I can't remember if it's the first uh, or the second, yeah. where, where, they're, where they're fucking and the phone's ringing, yeah. you know, it's going to wake the kids. And, yeah. You know, it's very, yeah. you know, this is how it is. Well, when she goes and answers the phone, she's annoyed because yeah, she's just course. having a really good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something is... that's missing from a lot of depictions of sex in media, you know, just the, you know, the funniness of it or the awkwardness oh, yeah. of it. Oh, wait a minute. Fuck, fuck, i got to move my, sh- I'm, I'm pulling my shoulder. Yeah. I, whatever it is, you know, it's... That's a uh, if you if, if you get around, I, we've I've gone on to you about the deuce and mm. uh, you know because it's set in the porn industry in the mid uh, over the seventies and early eighties and the, the there's nothing titillating about it whatsoever and the sex uh, in it is it's it's very real and sometimes mm. it's uh, you know sometimes it's dangerous and sometimes it's perfunctionary and mm. sometimes it's fun mm. and it's a, it's a I, I think that series is really I'll check it out uh, yeah. it's really underrated it's some beautiful writing some beautiful performances uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal who I've always thought was great mm. I, like it's it's beyond me how she has not won yeah. Emmys for yeah, yeah, yeah. for her performance because it's outstanding but of yeah. course it's it's David Simon and his crew who are we're over here and like I think he got angry when she got nominated for like in a fun way when she got nominated for maybe a Golden Globe because it like had ruined his streak of none of his actors ever getting nominated Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, David Simon do you follow him on Twitter? No, I, I, I'm hardly on Twitter. Oh, you know me. Yeah. I'm, I'm off social media. No, altogether. no, I understand that. I, look, I only have it on my computer, but you, you should check out David Simon because when he decides, <laughs> like, where where Damon Lindelof was, you know, he was bullied and he, as I said, you, not pretending that I know him at all, but uh, appears, appears to be a very nice person and uh, a very sensitive and, and people took advantage of that. David Simon is... Just not afraid to call an arsehole a dickhead. Great, <laughs> fucking great. And he rips into them, and it's like yeah, yeah, man off my own heart. Oh, Fantastic. Oh, uh, uh, and this is the last little bit, and this is nothing in particular. I just thought uh, uh, Nicole Castle's uh, direction for the first and second episode mm. have been yep. 
fantastic. Yep. Like yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. like she has been amazing. Yeah. And using using the digital effects in a in a in a very organic way. Yes. They don't call a lot of attention to themselves, which is uh something that not many people can pull off well. Right, right. Yeah. And uh you know there's a, very early on there's a, I think when you're seeing uh Will uh, at the very start at the tree and he's you know it's a close up of him in the wheelchair near uh, at night and uh, the, the camera like he's not quite centered it's mm. just kind of it just has him in a it's such a I, I don't know I don't know what the angle means but it suggests something is uh, once again I could be projecting but it feels otherworldly mm. the way they have it because others other times she has the camera positioned in a way and it could almost be like Kubrick or Wes mm-hmm. Anderson it's so mm. You know, symmetrical. perfect and yep. symmetrical, yep. and then this, and then he was just slightly off kilter. Off kilter, mm-hmm. and it's just such a little tasty treat. Mm-hmm. But she's been great. A lot of uh, good use of negative space as well. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Uh, the soundtrack, as we've already oh, said, man. it just keeps you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's released. Uh, he and Atticus Ross are releasing a, a three-album set. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that's great. Like if you guys have been inspired to. Do a three-album Watchmen, yep. like yeah, <laughs> yeah, this man. is great. Yeah, 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 well, I think they did that for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. You know, that's something right. that's only a two-hour movie, but it's like three hours of music. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just the output is incredible. So good. I rewatched the Social Network only oh, a couple man, of months ago. I really need to rewatch it. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it again. Come over and we'll, please. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. and you, you sit there and you go. Oh, the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I think the soundtrack is the you know the propulsive force of that yeah. film. It, yeah, amazing. Um. Uh, this episode was written by Lindelof and Nick Cues, who wrote uh, the episode International Assassin. Uh, they wrote some episodes of The Leftovers, but that episode, which is in season two, I honestly, for me, mm. is one of my favourite ever hours of television yeah, wow. of any TV series. Yeah. And it's an episode I go back to. Like quite often, and you know, anyway, that that show, you know, uh, you know the play the that I wrote, the ballad of John Tilda Animus. Yes, the, I know it. The, the dancing scenes uh, were uh, very much inspired by the ending, of, uh, a scene from the ending of uh, yeah, The well. Leftovers. Yeah, because I, it's such a beautiful scene, the way it's shot and the and the feel of it. What I was trying to capture, like the you know the content is so different, but the mm. the feel, the feel was so magical to me, and it was so uh, resonant, and mm. I tried to replicate that feeling mm. in that show beautiful so uh seeing these guys together on this is like yep thank you i'm right here um it is true what alexi said on your first episode of this podcast that this show does seem to be custom made specifically for you oh no like uh, like <laughs> if i find out that christopher nolan directed the final episode and they somehow managed to get a cameo by david bowie i will i will watch the episode and then i'll set myself on fire and shoot myself into the sun because it won't get any better than this uh, and then uh, uh, I saw online uh, the playwright Claire Keischel, I think I'm pronouncing her name, uh, her last name correctly, uh, who has written the plays uh, Paul Swan is Dead, uh, uh, Paul Swan is Dead and Gone, uh, Sophia, and she worked and wrote on the second season of the OA. Uh, she wrote on Twitter that she wrote the first draft of the bad play that Jeremy Irons is meant to have written, <laughs> and uh, and I've uh, and I wrote to her and I said I. I would love to see her adapt 
the whole graphic novel as a play like this. <laughs> like, I think it would be <laughs> absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I would like to see... Uh, I want them to include killing a Tom Myerson clone each night as well. So... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, and, and before uh, you and I finish up with this, yes. uh, any any last thoughts on the episode or anything that I missed? Or oh, I honestly, feel like you know, like I don't I'm think sure there's I anything. I don't think out of twenty pages there's anything you missed. But I uh, like but uh, <laughs> I I am. I said to you when I first arrived. Yeah, we hadn't discussed the first step. No, uh, and you asked me what I thought. Yeah, and I said I'm not 100 percent sold. But I'm 100% intrigued. Yeah. And it was lucky that you said that last bit because I was about to... I know, I know. I could see the the stink lines (laughs) coming off you. Uh, (laughs) What? uh, Now I'm both. Yes. I'm in. Yeah. I'm 100% in. I want to know. Yes. And I think a lot of my frustrations uh, that I felt when I watched the first episode was that, you know, presumptive kind of, just give me all the answers now. Yeah. Uh, uh, Whereas now I'm much more... um, I'm happy... For the slow burn of this. Yeah. I'm happy to spend the next two months doing this. Oh, yeah. And please, let's dole it out. You know, give me give me bits and pieces here and there. But your Manhattan theory is a, a, a real... It's a tasty a real, it's, one. It's very good. Well, if, if, if they don't use it, we'll get in touch with Ron Cooler and say, hey, why don't we do a season? And I've got a great <laughs> twist for you. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Do you have anything coming up? No, I'm, uh, no I, I'm getting back into comedy, so I'll yeah. be around the Sydney comedy scene. Come and see me do ha-has. Yeah, please go and see Ben. He's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you once again for listening to the latest episode of Big Squid. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and review us on whichever platforms that you use. Thank you once again to Ben Elwood. I'm sure he's going to be back very soon, maybe for the next episode, maybe for another chapter of the graphic novel. Uh, This Thursday, I have Alexi Toliopoulos returning. We're breaking down chapter two of the graphic novel. So that'll be a lot of fun. We have some interesting things to talk about and you already know how great Alexi is. So uh, please make sure that you check that out. Uh, Please go to the Facebook site, Big Squid with Justin Hamilton. Uh, You can just join the page. I also have a private conversation going on. It's Look, you have to ask to be on, but it's not because it's trying to be highfalutin or anything. I just wanted to create a place where people could say some crazy things and and hypothesize without spoiling anyone who just came to the page and was, you know, seeing what was going on. So uh, come over there if you want to talk about spoilers or your your, your crazy thoughts. The crazier, the better. I love it. Uh, So you can either go there. Uh, If you don't want to be going anywhere near Mark Zuckerberg's world, uh, my website is justinhamilton.com.au. There's a a blog up at the moment uh, that kind of goes over some stuff from the first episode. There's some links there. It's talking about why I got back into podcasting. There's some short stories on there, etc. So if you don't want to go to Facebook, come and uh, grab me there. I'm on Twitter, justinhamilton underscore Instagram, justinhamiltoncomedian. So... Look, there's plenty of places (laughs) that you can find me. So uh, thank you once again. What a great episode. I'm really, really loving not only the show, but uh, having this opportunity to share my crazy-ass thoughts about (laughs) where this is going. But uh, I'm wrapped. And uh, thank you very much for being a part of it. And uh, finally, if you're driving along tonight, just watch out for giant magnets appearing out of nowhere and whisking you away. I don't want you to go. I want to have you here next week. All right. Take care.